0: Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm
1: Scott Eisenberg.
0: And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week we're back to Harry Potter. Yes. And we are discussing The Prisoner of Azkaban, released in 2004.
1: Yes, 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 yes. This is the real start of the turning point of the series
0: yes uh this is where it gets noticeably darker more more serious more adult.
1: more serious you say
0: ah (laughs) it's a joke if you get it wink wink anyway (laughs) (laughs) but um we also get kind of a change in the aesthetic of the film Because we have a new director in town. Yes. Mr. Alfonso Cuaron. Yes, who does a good job here. But this is his
1: only Harry Potter. Yes.
0: This is the same guy that did movies like Children of Men, Gravity, more recently Roma. He's got a very distinct style. And it's apparent in this film. I think we lucked out with Alfonso Cuaron because... Uh, there were some other directors who were offered the directing role. Like? Guillermo del Toro. He was offered it, but did Hellboy instead. Okay,
1: that was a good trade-off. No offense to Harry Potter, but Hellboy is more Guillermo's Speed, wheelhouse.
0: yeah. And we also had an offer to M. Night Shyamalan, who was offered to direct this, but decided to do The Village instead. <laughs>
1: Okay, I can see the twist kind of being a thing.
0: Yeah, it, it might have been fun for him to have this twist in his back pocket. That's true. What a twist! We again have a script written by Steve Kloves. But uh, apparently, I feel like most people probably agree with me that this is one of the best Harry Potter movies. It's got a 90% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And it was nominated for two Oscars, one for visual effects, lost that one to Spider-Man 2, rightfully so, I would say. Yeah. And one for score for John Williams, and he, he lost to Finding Neverland. But uh, an interesting fact regarding John Williams' score in this, this was the final Harry Potter movie to feature a John Williams score he would still be credited throughout the rest of the franchise for the main theme, which is, like, super iconic, obviously. We use it at every intro (laughs) so far for this series. But from this point on, the score is done by some other composer and the main theme is just adapted by that other person.
1: Yeah, John Williams, really starting in the 2000s, started cutting back the amount
0: of work he was doing. Right, and, you know... The problem with that is he was a part of a lot of big franchises that probably would have done well to have his input in the score, but what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, man, the guys had an illustrious career from everything from Jaws and Star Wars.
0: So, Scotty... Yes. Overall, what what are your quick thoughts on Prisoner of Azkaban before we get into the nitty and the gritty?
1: So my initial thoughts are, it's a good, down-to-earth movie that's kind of fun. Like, I feel like this is not as whimsical as the first two, maybe because we've now lived in the world for two movies?
0: Yes, that's something I wanted to mention, too. It definitely is more, for lack of a better term, it is more down-to-earth. It's kind of weird to say it like that because it's a movie about witches and wizards and shit, but... It doesn't do as much world-building as the first two movies, and it's definitely not as whimsical. It's more like, okay, now this world is established. We're fucking in it now. Let's crack open this nut and see what's inside,
1: you know? Exactly. So it was very interesting. This actually, I feel like, really benefited from adding two Very powerhouse actors to this series.
0: One of them is Gary Oldman, guys. Gary Oldman's in this movie, and he is, like, the main reason why I love the movie. (laughs) He's so good in this, and watching it again for, admittedly, like, the 50-fucking-thousandth time, I just, ooh, he's so good in it. And he's not even in it for that long. But he leaves a mark. That was the thing that kind of surprised me watching it. I hadn't seen it in a while, but I just... threw me off how quick he's in the movie and then he's just gone like it's not a really long part but he makes such a lasting impact
1: well yeah that's the thing about gary oldman the man doesn't have to be on screen a whole lot but every time he's on screen you're glued to him everything from leon the professional to batman begins to this like He is, for all intents and purposes, mesmerizing.
0: Well, that's funny you mentioned Batman Begins because that actually was the year following this movie and it's kind of a similar thing to his role as Sirius Black in this where like he's not really in it that much. He's not a main character really, but he still brings such charm to the role that like you just love it.
1: He melts into every fucking role.
0: Yeah. He's probably going to get nominated for an Oscar this year for Mank. I don't think he's going to win, but... No, but he, he was great. He, he was great in Mank. I I liked Mank. A lot of people didn't like it, but I did.
1: He's the best part of Mank.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well,
1: I don't really care about the rest of the movie, but Gary Oldman, especially that dinner scene.
0: Oh, that dinner scene's so good. Was, I love that dinner scene. That speech he
1: gives is so good. And you can tell because it's it's Gary fucking Oldman.
0: Yeah. So... Now that we've sucked off fucking Gary Oldman for 10 minutes, let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's do it. We start off this movie like we do every other Harry Potter movie with Harry at the Dursley residence.
1: Why? Why do you keep going back? Just rent
0: the He's a child. He's 13. He doesn't have a choice. He's rich. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Go live with the Weasleys. Pay rent. <sighs> Anyway, so the Dursleys are visited by Vernon's sister, Marge. And Aunt Marge is a cunt.
1: Yes, Aunt Marge is the biggest cunt.
0: (laughs) She's just an awful human, and she's talking shit about Harry and Harry's parents. And Harry is progressively getting more and more upset to the point where he kind of loses control of his abilities And he proceeds to blow up Aunt Marge to the size of a Macy's Thanksgiving Day balloon. Objection.
1: Objection, Your Honor.
0: What? There is no proof. We're not he- at a court of law, Scott. <laughs> there is
1: no proof that Harry did anything to Marge. Scott, there is no proof. There doesn't need to there be was proof. M- They're magical. <laughs> there was no wave of a wand, no other incantation. No, Harry no. Potter
0: is innocent. <laughs> Scott, until no, proven is, guilty, this is magic. Court of law. This <laughs> is magic, bitch. We don't need proof. This is. <laughs> How else would a human being explode with helium and float away into the distance? She could have
1: been cursed prior to. Harry Potter... (laughs) By who? She's a horrible human being. It doesn't matter by who. Harry Potter and the law and order. Harry Potter (laughs) should
0: really get you on retainer. (laughs) (laughs) Harry proceeds to run off to his room as marge is floating away so he just goes upstairs packs a bag and fucks off and leaves the house well as vernon is like screaming to the sky "No, Marge! Well, Ma- so harry fucks off into the night and as he's storming off through the streets he hears a voice off in the bushes and he looks off and he thinks he sees a black shaggy dog and he gets all frightened and falls over his suitcase and falls into the street and when he does that a magical double-decker bus called the night bus appears out of thin air and stops in front of harry and a little fucking snot-nosed asshole pops out of the bus and he's like why are you on the floor come on come on night bus but what's interesting about the night bus sequence Harry gets on the bus and he asks the guy to take him to the leaky cauldron but what's weird about it is that in the book there's a sort of attendant guy the snot-nosed guy and then there's the driver who's like an old man named Ed and that's it and in the movie for some reason they thought it would be beneficial to include not only the snot nosed attendant guy and the old man driver named Ed, but also a floating disembodied Rastafarian head, just, you know, expositing funny Rastafarian type humor with a Jamaican accent. Take it away, hein? Yeah, take it away, Annie. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> I don't know why why not good point anyway (laughs) (laughs) so while they're on this bus someone's looking at the wizard newspaper and harry sees this article talking about an escaped prisoner from azkaban named sirius black and harry's like who the hell is that and the attendant guy goes Oh, you've never heard of Sirius Black? He's the first man ever to have escaped Azkaban. He was a big supporter of You Know Who, Thank a.k.a. You. Voldemort. So, you know, we, we got a nice bout of exposition there for you. For whatever reason, they didn't include this in the movie. But in the book, they actually introduced Sirius in a different way. They introduce him on the Muggle TV news as an escaped prisoner.
1: Okay, so the Muggles are also looking for him. Right.
0: So when Harry gets to the Leaky Cauldron, Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, is there. And he's being very cryptic with Harry. He says, oh, don't worry about your Aunt Marge. We put her right. Everything's fine. And Harry's like, wait, I'm not expelled. I blew up my aunt. (laughs) And he's like, oh, Harry, if we expelled every student who blew up their aunt.
1: (laughs) They have this weird igor character randomly like grabbing harry and kind of like throwing him around and making jokes there's some weird the
0: rastafarian head there's, there's there are some weird choices in this movie yeah but i i think it just makes the movie more unique and distinct yeah
1: oh it's definitely unique
0: <laughs> Fudge is generally very suspicious in this conversation. He says things like, "Oh, Harry, you shouldn't have left your aunt and uncle's house. You know, with the way things are out there, it's very dangerous." And he's like, "Why is it okay?" Like, it just seems like something is going on.
1: I have a dark wizard after me all the time.
0: Yeah, he's like, "I'm used to this." Like, <laughs> so he he stays at the Leaky Cauldron for a while. They give him a little room, and then Ron and Hermione come and they they meet up with Harry, and we also meet. Hermione's new cat Crookshanks and he is chasing Ron's rat scabbers through the hallway and we also get the rest of the Weasleys here. All the
1: gingers are here. All all
0: the gingers are here and Mr. Weasley actually pulls Harry aside and he's like the ministry doesn't want me to tell you this, but I feel like you need to know that Sirius Black is after you because he was a big supporter of you-know-who and when you defeated him and sent him into hiding when you were a baby, he was very angry and he might think killing you would help bring Voldemort back. So you need to promise me, Harry, that you will be careful this year and you must also promise me that you will not go after Sirius Black. And Harry is like... Why would I go after someone who wants to kill me?
1: Because you do it every movie, Harry. I, I every
0: mean, movie. I mean, correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did want to mention, though, about Crookshanks the cat. Yes. He, he seems like a very innocuous character in this installment. And in the movie, he is. But in the book, he's a little more important, which. I was kind of bummed that Crookshanks is not more of a prominent character in the movie.
1: Well, dear, it's hard to get stuff out of a cat actor.
0: True. But you could have had it be CG. (laughs) I mean, Harry Potter is not opposed to using CG.
1: (laughs) That is true, but CG usually is for mythical beasts that we
0: can't have
1: be there for real. Like, you can't have... Pixies really be there, because pixies aren't real. What?
0: Pixies aren't real? Our Hogwarts trio, Ron, Harry, Hermione, they all get on the Hogwarts Express, off to school, to expand their minds. They get into a little train car, and there seems to be a shabby-looking homeless man sleeping in the train car.
1: But on his bag reads, Professor R.J. Lupin.
0: Ramus Lupin is played by David Thewlis. He is a decently well-known British actor. He was the villain in the first Wonder Woman movie. He played the earthworm in James and the Giant Peach <laughs> which I thought was funny and more importantly I think his most groundbreaking role uh the shame wizard from big mouth
1: that is right he is the shame (laughs) wizard shame
0: (laughs) wizard the shame wizard oh
1: he is so good in this role
0: he's great i really love the character of lupin in general and he just does it really well so as the kids are sitting on the train and they're heading to hogwarts the train just randomly stops in the middle of its journey and suddenly. The whole train becomes very cold. It really just completely freezes over. And everyone gets very frightened and spooked out. And it gets very dark and scary. And then all of a sudden, these creatures enter the train called the Dementors.
1: They're basically animated cloaks almost with mouths.
0: Yeah, it basically just looks like what you picture in your brain when you think of the Grim Reaper. Just that.
1: But yeah, they're creepy as fuck.
0: And they are the guards of Azkaban. But for this year, because of the situation with Sirius Black being on the loose, Dumbledore has allowed some of the Dementors to post guard around hogwarts to look out for serious black
1: and they've taken particular interest in a young mr harry potter
0: well yes when they come into the train car that harry is in he has a very significant reaction to their presence he hears a woman screaming in his head he gets very out of sorts and he ends up passing out
1: and that's when lupin wakes up and blasts the dementor in the face
0: with his wand, not
1: not with his fist. <laughs> and then, of course, Harry wakes up and uh, Lupin's there offering him chocolate.
0: I, I love that part because the, the Dementors thing really is just that they, like, suck all of the happiness out of the room anywhere they go. And they just, you know, make you feel like, as Ron says, like, you'll never be cheerful again. <laughs> I just, I love that the the trick to combating that is eating chocolate because eating chocolate releases endorphins and i just thought that was like clever
1: and then of course harry goes did you guys hear that woman scream and the of course mind he goes there wasn't a woman screaming
0: and then she's like oh no he's hearing voices again
1: jesus christ there must be a snake on the train
0: there's just snakes on the train, snake on the train. i'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking train okay so now they're off to hogwarts they finally get there life is good and we get introduced to our new dumbledore michael gambin he plays dumbledore in the rest of the movies in the harry potter franchise and i'm not mad at michael gambin he does a fine job but i gotta say i miss richard harris very much
1: (laughs) now i know before, I guess, they went to Michael Gambin, there was discussion about trying to bring in Ian McKellen.
0: Yes, Ian McKellen, who famously played Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings series, was offered the role, but he turned it down. Probably because he's like, hey, I already play this old, wise, bearded man in this other huge franchise. I don't know if it's a good idea for me to do another one. <laughs> Your
1: biggest criticism of Gambon is... He just kind of plays like a generic, old, wise man. It seems to he he's he's lost a little bit of Dumbledore's whimsy that he, Richard Harris had the first two movies.
0: yes, his his more subtle whimsy, I would say, is is lost with Gambin. and it doesn't help that he has gone on record saying that he never read the books and he just kind of went based on the script, which again, isn't the most horrible thing in the world. And he didn't do a bad job by any stretch. It's just, there's something missing, you know? There's a little je ne sais quoi that is adrift.
1: I feel like Ian McKellen, though, would have had that. The way he does Gandalf the Grey is so fun and so, like, lively.
0: Yeah, but I, I do get why he didn't want to do it, though.
1: Well, yeah, of course. You go from being the wise wizard of Lord of the Rings to the wise wizard of Harry Potter.
0: Yeah, it's like jumping feet first into typecasting at that point, you know. But Dumbledore mentions that Remus Lupin is going to be our new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, which means he will not be lasting past this movie. (laughs) We also have Hagrid joining the staff as the new Care of Magical Creatures professor. Yay! The first class that we go to is Professor Trelawney's Divination Class. Professor Trelawney is played by Emma Thompson, who we love, even though she's just acting like generic kooky lady. (laughs)
1: Oh, my God.
0: Fun fact, Tilda Swinton was also offered this role, but declined it's kind of the same vibe you know just like lanky wacky older lady (laughs) essentially divination is just being able to see the future very hippy dippy kind of stuff and (laughs) hippity dippity in this scene we get the first instance of Hermione just sort of popping up out of nowhere several times throughout the movie let's say like ron and harry are just talking chatting it up and then out of nowhere hermione just pops up next to them, them's like oh what's going on guys and they're like wait have you been here the whole time
1: of course <laughs> of course
0: it, it becomes important later on because she mentions that she has a, a really packed class schedule this year some of her classes actually being at the same time And Ron even mentions, like, how can you be at two places at once? And Hermione's like, oh, Ron, you're so silly. Ha ha ha. (laughs) And also in this scene, the kids have to read tea leaves. And there's two interesting little moments here. One being where Ron is reading the tea leaves in Harry's cup. He says, well, this symbol means you're going to suffer. And this symbol means that, oh, you're going to be happy. So you're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it. And it's like, oh, my God, it's true. It, is. it sounds so stupid, but like it's at the end of the movie. It's going to make sense. Uh. <laughs> and then another interesting little tidbit we get is with Trelawney reading Harry's Cup and being very frightened and throwing the cup down and saying you've got the grim
1: <laughs> and then the random kid goes the grim it's the most feared symbol in all of divination it's the symbol of
0: death and it just happens to be a shaggy black dog Hmm. hmm. this is yet another edition of harry potter colon foreshadowing at its finest <laughs> so after this eye-opening class we go to Hagrid's class of care of magical creatures and he introduces the kids to a hippogriff named Buckbeak and Buckbeak is essentially a horse slash bird
1: and it looks really fucking cool
0: yeah while Harry and the Gryffindors in the class are very respectful of this majestic beast Malfoy and the Slytherins are being a bunch of dicks
1: yes they call her the giant chicken
0: Hagrid does this lesson with the hippogriff and he has Harry kind of interact with the creature and develop a little rapport with it and it's it's a very cute scene and then he kind of just lifts harry up (laughs) because he's like 10 feet tall he just picks harry up like a baby and puts him on buckbeak's back slaps buckbeak's ass and off harry flies into the fucking air on this Buckbeak and it's fucking it's a great scene he's like all excited he's like I'm king of the world then you know when he comes back obviously Malfoy's jealous because Harry's got all the attention and Malfoy's a little cuck so he just goes up to Buckbeak and like insults him and of course Buckbeak attacks him and fucks up his arm a little bit. He
1: scratches him and Draco's like
0: oh god my My father will hear about this. One of the best things about this movie is Malfoy because like he's such a bitch (laughs) he acts like an asshole and then something even remotely violent or antagonistic happens to him. He turns into a puddle. (laughs) Like He's like oh my god but then we go to Defense Against the Dark Odds, and Professor Lupin is teaching the kids about creatures that are called Boggerts.
1: Boggarts are shapeshifters that turn into your worst fear.
0: Yes. They have a, a really cute and funny scene where different kids in the class say a spell, and that spell turns the thing that they fear into something funny.
1: Yeah, Ron comes up, it becomes a spider, and then it becomes a spider on roller skates.
0: Right, and it's all fun and games until the Dementors show up, because Harry faces the Boggart, and it turns into a Dementor, but Lupin immediately steps in front of it, and...
1: The Boggart turns into a full moon coming out.
0: Right, but after that, we move on to our next scene... All all the third year kids and above get the opportunity to go during their free time to the neighboring magic town called Hogsmeade. And it's full of like fun things like a joke shop and big candy emporium and a like creepy haunted house type thing. But Harry can't go. Yes, because you need a permission slip signed by a guardian and the Dursleys are assholes so they didn't sign shit. But instead, Harry goes, talks to Lupin and Lupin mentions to him that he was friends with Harry's parents while they were at Hogwarts together. Yes. He mentions also that the reason you react so differently to the Dementors is because you've been through a lot more shit in your life than most of these other kids.
1: (laughs) So they'll never know the true horrors.
0: The horrors! (laughs) We get more mysterious shit with Lupin throughout this movie. Even though his character is very mysterious, you still can feel the genuineness in the character. And I think that is a testament to David Thulis's acting.
1: Oh yeah, hands down.
0: But continuing with the mysterious Lupin stuff we cut to the next scene where we're going to Defense Against the Dark Arts class again, and Lupin is mysteriously absent. And Snape is substitute teaching the class. This is that iconic scene where Snape just barges in the room and he's like, Turn to page 394. And he's teaching them about werewolves and animagus. Hmm foreshadowing maybe uh, thy name is harry potter
1: <laughs> we like to smack you with the foreshadowing
0: but yeah he, he asked the class what's the difference between werewolves and animagus mm, do you know that and hermione's like oh i know werewolves don't have a choice on whether or not they can turn into an animal but animagus choose the life of a person that can change into an animal and Isn't it interesting, kids?
1: Well, Hermione Granger, you like being a know-it-all, don't you? Five points from Gryffindor.
0: Fuck you, Snape. Anyway, (laughs) after that bleak and annoying Snape scene, we get an exciting foray into Quidditch. Quidditch. Gryffindor versus Hufflepuff. Fun fact, this is supposed to be the first time we meet Cedric Diggory. I don't think it actually is in the movie, but in the book, Cedric Diggory is the Hufflepuff seeker. Oh,
1: the one who gets struck by lightning? Yeah. And then magically turns into Robert Pattinson?
0: Yeah, Robert Pattinson isn't in this movie. Don't worry, to you twihards. he'll be in the next one. But they're they're playing the game, Harry is flying around looking for the snitch, and he sees in the storm clouds above him a black figure that kind of looks like a black dog in the clouds. So the Grimm is following him. No. You're gonna die. <laughs> As he's chasing the snitch, the Dementors show up and Harry gets so out of sorts that he ends up passing out and falling off his broom. Dumbledore catches him right in the nick of time. Harry wakes up in the hospital wing and his broom has been destroyed and Gryffindor lost the game, which is important to mention because it's kind of a funny thing in the book that was left out of this remember oliver wood from the first movie okay so in this book he's supposed to be a seventh year student it's his last year and he hasn't won the quidditch cup and he wants it he wants it bad and he's obsessed and it's it's a funny little like side plot throughout the book so when this happens and harry hurts himself the, you know they lose the game and he's distraught and he thinks like oh we're going to lose again we'll lose the quidditch cup and everyone else is like yeah but like harry almost died he fell like 50 feet <laughs> so maybe put some shit in perspective <laughs> Harry is really concerned because he's like I need to fucking learn how to deal with these dementors and Lupin is like I, I know a way to combat them because I did it on the train but it's really advanced magic after the Christmas holidays we will have lessons I will try to teach you how to combat the dementors I need you to give me some time till after the holidays because I'm still sick quote-unquote I need to rest yeah Uh, And then we cut to Harry trying to sneak into Hogsmeade using his invisibility cloak. And he's cut off by Fred and George. Fred and George pull Harry aside. And they're like, hey, we've got a better way for you to sneak around the castle called the Marauder's Map. And they open it by taking their wand touching it and saying I solemnly swear that I am up to no good (laughs) and then it opens and it reveals a complete map of the castle including a bunch of hidden trapdoors and passageways one of which leads right into Hogsmeade it also shows like every single person walking around the castle
1: but it's very important that when you're done to point at the map and say
0: mischief managed Otherwise, anyone can read it. On the top of the map, it says created by masters Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs, which obviously is like nicknames. But we don't know what that means because the twins apparently just nicked it from Filch's office years ago and they've been using it for their treachery. You know, I'm going to explain more about that, actually, when we get to my favorite scene in the movie. So just just keep keep that in here in in the brain case. And we'll discuss it more at a later time.
1: For all of you audio listeners, which is all of you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's no other way they're listening to this.
1: Frankie patted my forehead.
0: (laughs) I just want you to keep your brain case safe, Scott, okay? Harry then uses the Marauder's Map to get into Hogsmeade. And he has his cloak on and he sneaks up behind ron and hermione who are having a little moment by the shrieking shack that's the other thing too in this movie they are subtly like hinting at ron and hermione being a thing and having a little crush on each other they don't really do that in the book but they do it in the movie which i'm fine with because i like them together but it's just funny the three of them then proceed to have a grand old time in hogsmeade harry actually overhears a bunch of adults by the pub mention his name so he sneaks into the pub to hear them talking about him they mention that Sirius Black was friends with Harry Potter's parents and that he was the only one who knew where they were supposedly allegedly when James and Lily Potter went into hiding to hide from Voldemort and allegedly Sirius Black told Voldemort where James and Lily Potter were and that's how Voldemort found them and killed them.
1: He also killed Peter Pettigrew leaving nothing but a finger.
0: Yes Peter Pettigrew who was another friend of theirs and all they could find of him was his finger. That's all that was left of him. And the last kind of big bombshell that gets dropped in this conversation for Harry is that Sirius Black is Harry Potter's godfather. <gasps> So this emits a a huge reaction out of Harry. He storms out of the bar, very upset. They have kind of a, a sweet, sad moment where Harry Potter is audibly crying and it's really sad. And then Hermione kind of just slowly walks up to him, kneels beside him and pulls off the invisibility cloak and he's very upset and he tells them what he heard and he's just so angry that he says, I hope he finds me. Because when he does, I'm going to be ready. When he does, I'm going to kill him. Which is precisely what Arthur Weasley told him not to fucking do.
1: (laughs) You could say we've gotten serious.
0: Yes, you you could say that, couldn't you? I could. But what I, I do like about this part is like, it definitely establishes that, like you said before, we're definitely not focusing as much on... Like, whimsical world-building and, oh, look, a troll. Oh, look, uh, a magical broom that can fly. No, like
1: we're talking about killing people, motherfuckers. We're talking
0: about family shit, character, internal shit. Like, this is real. Murder? We love murdery things. That's, that's some real shit right there.
1: <laughs> so we cut to uh, the first lesson with Lupin. And Lupin's telling him... Okay, to fight this, you have to do a Patronus spell and think of happy thoughts.
0: Oh, yes, Peter Pan, think any happy little thought.
1: <laughs> and, of course, Harry can't succeed at the first time. Lupin's like, what did you think of? What was your happy thought? He goes, the first time I uh flew on a broom. He goes, that's not good enough, God
0: damn it. Is that the happiest thought you have? Wow, your life sucks.
1: <laughs> Harry gets to the course on the second time, thinking of his parents...
0: If you don't know what a Patronus is, it's essentially supposed to be some kind of silvery animal that emits from one's wand to ward off the Dementors. And when Harry does this on his second attempt, he emits like a a smoky kind of silver wisp from his wand. And Lupin is very impressed. He said, you know, for your second time doing this, it's very advanced magic. You've done very well. This is a good place to stop for today. We cut to Harry meeting up with Ron and Hermione, and they're fighting because Scabbers, Ron's rat, is missing, and Ron just assumes that Crookshanks, Hermione's cat, has killed him. But they kind of just brush it off for now, and they're actually going to see Hagrid to talk to him about Buckbeak, because after the whole incident with Malfoy, his father- Made a big stink about it with the ministry and they ultimately decided that Buckbeak would be executed.
1: Yeah, which, okay, you have a ton of witnesses that Malfoy was a little shit.
0: But that doesn't matter because Lucius Malfoy is a piece of shit that intimidates other ministry members to getting his own way. Yeah. So it was pretty much set in stone that this was going to happen.
1: I, I know, but goddamn, like, he had everything under control. If Malfoy doesn't come running up like a little bitch and get scratched, because for the rest of the movie, his arm is, like, wrapped up and he keeps going, like, the nurse said if it was a little deeper, I could have lost my arm. But then he continues to use the arm. Like, fuck you, motherfucker.
0: So that night. Harry's in his dormitory, and he is just looking at the Marauder's Map, just for funsies. And he sees
1: what? Sorry, not to cut you off, but while Harry is looking at the Marauder's Map, Ron just kind of wakes up out of nowhere and goes, Oh my god, spiders want me to tap dance. They want me to tap dance. And then Harry
0: goes, you tell those spiders, Ron. You tell them you don't want to tap dance. <laughs> I'm like, what the? And it's like, what the fuck? that's the thing about this movie too it's like harry and the rest of the kids like they definitely have more sass you know they're becoming teenagers they've got some sass to them this this movie which i appreciate they do it was just so funny but as harry is perusing the marauders map he notices one of the dots on the map that's walking around the halls says peter Pettigrew, and harry's like what because he just heard in the fucking bar couple scenes ago that that guy was fucking dead so he proceeds to just go out into the hallway he's so fucking cocky at this point he don't even care he doesn't even bother taking his cloak with him when he goes walking around the middle of the night so he just takes his wand and the map and is looking around and he sees that peter Pettigrew and himself they're in the same hallway but he doesn't see anybody and it's like freaking him out and then all of a sudden snape pops up he's like what are you doing here
1: And, uh, uh, of course, Remus comes in and kind of saves the day and ushers Harry away.
0: Yeah, and he takes the map and he pulls Harry into, like, an empty classroom. And he's like, I'm not going to ask you how you got this map, but I'm going to keep it because you should not be walking around in the middle of the fucking hallways at night when there is a murderer (laughs) on the loose (laughs) that wants to kill you.
1: And he goes, I'm sorry, Professor, you're right. I'll go back to the dorm." The map must be wrong because it said that a man I know to be dead was walking around. And he goes, what man? And he goes, Peter Pettigrew. And this like shakes Lupin.
0: Then we cut to another divination class. And Harry is alone in the classroom with Professor Trelawney. And out of nowhere, Professor Trelawney comes up to Harry, grabs his shoulder. And her voice lowers. Her whole demeanor kind of slacks a little bit. And she goes into a premonition. Throughout the whole movie, she's like kooky, wacky Trelawney. Oh, she's saying silly things. All her predictions are bullshit. But then at this point, Harry's like, oh shit, she really has premonitions and shit. Like, this is crazy. So she proceeds to say in this very creepy, echoey tone, he will return tonight. Innocent blood will be spilled and the master will be reunited with his servant once more. And then she completely snaps out of it. and doesn't remember anything she said. <laughs> and Harry's just like, oh.
1: I need to get out of here. Run away
0: from the crazy lady. So again... Up to this point, the foreshadowing in the Harry Potter franchise has beaten you over the head with a hammer. And now we have graduated to a large mallet (laughs) just whacking you senselessly over the skull until you're bleeding with foreshadowing.
1: This mallet puts Harley Quinn's mallet to shame.
0: Yes, absolutely. So now we head into... Basically the third act of the film, I would say. We have our trio, Harry, Ron, Hermione. They go to see Hagrid to basically console him before Buckbeak's execution. But as they are going to Hagrid's cabin, they run into Malfoy and his little goons. And he's just acting like a complete asshole. So Hermione goes up to him, holds her wand to him. And Ron's like, no, 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 don't do it. It's not worth it. He's whimpering fucking Malfoy like a little bitch. Hermione's like, oh, fine, whatever. And starts to walk away and then turns around, punches him in the fucking nose. <laughs> you foul and loads of them evil little cockroaches. <laughs> Oh, it was so satisfying. Oh, it was great. Brilliant. And of course, Draco runs away like a little cuck. They go to Hagrid's and they feel so bad. They're like, oh, can't we just set Buckbeak free? And Hagrid are like, no, they'll know it was me. I'll fucking go to prison. I'm not going back to jail, man. I'm not not going back to
1: Azkaban.
0: (laughs) But uh, Hagrid actually takes the opportunity to return Scabbers to Ron. He had found him somewhere in his cabin. And then all of a sudden, a couple of small rocks get thrown through Hagrid's window. (laughs) Who the hell is throwing rocks? And they look, they're like, what the fuck was that? And they look out the window and they see Cornelius Fudge, Dumbledore, and an executioner stalking down the hill. And the kids are like, ah, shit, we gotta go. (laughs) And they sneak off before the adults show up to Hagrid's place. And it was around this point in the movie, I made a note of it because... I thought about it and I'm like, "Oh wow, we're here already?" We really just breeze through this movie. This movie, its pace is even quicker than the other two. Like it just totally breezed by. Did you did you feel that or not? Yeah,
1: no, it, it definitely did feel very well-paced. There's no real slow moments, but yeah, you move decently well.
0: As the trio is leaving, they stand on the top of the hill and they witness the executioner lift up his big old axe and whack it down and they're like devastated it's a sad kind of somber moment
1: with air quotes
0: yes just let the air quotes hang over that whole moment (laughs) (laughs) just as that moment has passed scabbers proceeds to bite ron on the finger jump down and run away and ron chases after him and Harry and Hermione chase after Ron, and they all are running towards the Whomping Willow. (laughs) Now, we haven't brought it up, but
1: throughout this movie, they show the Whomping Willow multiple times. Like, clearly, the Whomping Willow is important. It's just constantly there, this entire movie. Harry's like, Ron, be careful, the Whomping
0: Willow. And Ron turns and goes, Harry, the Grim! Right behind Harry and Hermione... A big black shaggy dog comes up, jumps past him and Hermione, and grabs Ron by the leg <laughs> and drags him down under the fucking Whomping Willow. And Harry and Hermione are like, What the fuck just happened?
1: And then we proceed to get a nice little action scene where they have to try and follow, and the Whomping Willow is whacking them around.
0: Until eventually they're able to get into the same tunnel that the dog and Ron went through so they go down the tunnel and the tunnel leads them into the Shrieking Shack which is the haunted house that is in Hogsmeade that we referenced a little bit earlier and we proceed into the best scene of this movie and possibly one of the best fucking scenes in this whole goddamn franchise I would say Harry and Hermione go up to Ron they find him and they're like where's the dog what happened And he's like, it's Sirius Black. He's the dog. He's an animagus. They turn around and Sirius Black is standing there and he shuts the door. And Sirius Black aesthetically is very scary because up to this point, he's just this mysterious, vicious guy that it's a, a total mystery as to who he really is. But they've built him up so much as this horrible person that he's terrifying.
1: He's raggedy. He's railfin. he He's a creepy looking guy here.
0: The reason that this scene is so fucking good is because Gary Oldman is a superstar, but also because this is the big moment where the truth is revealed. The big M. Night Shyamalan twist. What a twist! And we have some great lines in here, too. Like, when they turn around and see Sirius Black, the first thing Hermione does is put herself... In between him and Harry. And she says, if you want to kill Harry, you'll have to kill us too. And then Sirius responds with, no, only one will die tonight. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good.
1: At one point, Harry overpowers Sirius and throws him to the floor. And then Lupin shows up and stops Harry from killing Sirius.
0: Yes, and then it's revealed that their friends because Lupin reaches down and grabs Sirius's arm and helps pull him up. And Harry was like, you fuckers, you killed my parents. Now you want to kill me too? And Lupin's like, no, 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 no. I can explain. Let me explain. Sirius is chomping at the bit. And Lupin's just like, we have to explain this to Harry. And he's like, no, we fucking don't. And then he hauls off with the best fucking line delivery. He says... I did my waiting. 12 12 years years of it in in Azkaban. Oh, it's like, oh, you just fucking feel it. Oh, it's so good. And right at this moment,
1: Snape comes trouncing in.
0: Lupin starts to explain to Harry that, Sirius is actually not a bad guy and that he did kill Peter Pettigrew, Uh, Harry was like, no, no, I know I saw him on the map, but it must have been wrong. It must have been lying. And he goes, the map never lies. He's alive and he's right there. And he points to Scabbers, the rat. And Ron's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Scabbers has been in my family for 12 years. Curiously long life for a common garden rat. He's missing a toe, isn't he? So what?
1: All I could find was, was his
0: finger. So he's like ruminating it in his brain like, oh, is there something to this? Like, what the fuck? And just as they're getting somewhere, Snape just fucking kicks down the door. Oh, and also we get another reveal. This whole scene is just full of fucking bombs dropping. Just everywhere you look, bombs dropping everywhere. We get the reveal that Lupin is a werewolf. Hermione basically calls him out, and he's like, how long have you known? And she's like, I knew from the second Snape did that lesson about werewolves. And it is revealed in the book that that's why he did it, to see if anyone would figure it out based on Lupin's symptoms that he was actually a werewolf.
1: Yeah, and Lupin's like, you really are the brightest witch of your time.
0: I do want to mention... The one thing that I am genuinely bummed about that wasn't in the movie is the relationship between Lupin, Sirius, James Potter, and Peter Pettigrew because there's a reason why they're all so close. So just really quickly, Lupin went to Hogwarts. He got bit by a werewolf when he was a kid and werewolves are like a a really kind of ostracized species in this wizarding world. But Dumbledore wanted him to go to the school, so he said, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll take you out every month, away from everybody, into Hogsmeade, we'll take you to the shack, the Shrieking Shack, we'll leave you in there so you can do your transformation and you won't hurt anybody. And they actually reveal that they planted the Womping Willow so that students wouldn't go around that area so he could just be by himself but then his friends James Sirius and Peter they all eventually found out that he was a werewolf and in order to be there for him during that time they didn't want him to be alone so they figured out how to change into Animagus and they each got the ability to change into animals because werewolves don't hurt animals so they could all be together while he transforms and it's just really sweet. And Lupin mentions how like because they were with me during my transformation, I was able to kind of maintain a little bit of myself while I transformed because I had someone else that I cared about there with me. And it was just a really sweet thing. But they they didn't really mention it in the movie. I just thought that the reason why they're all animagus and like
1: Oh, it's it's definitely it's really you know
0: Lupin's past is a werewolf and like their friendship and how strong it was. And I just, I thought that that was a nice, strong backstory that could have only enhanced the story. So it kind of bummed me out that that wasn't really a part of it.
1: I think it would have been hard to do that here.
0: There's a lot of reveals in this scene. So I, I get why they omitted it. It's still such a strong scene that I'm not even mad. But it, the whole backstory of all of their friendship. I just... I like that aspect of it, too. So, I don't know. Maybe now that they're doing a, a Harry Potter prequel series, maybe we'll get some cool stuff in that. But I, I don't know. Who knows?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I, it, it's definitely an option. Because, you know, you do want to know more about James Potter and Lily Potter. Because, for all intents and purposes, they're the Martha and Thomas Wayne of this goddamn series. Right. So, Harry... Blast Snape away. And that's when Lupin and Sirius turn Scabbers back into Peter Pethicrew.
0: And they have this confrontation. He, He basically confirms that, yes, he sold James and Lily to Voldemort. Yes. And Sirius comes out with another banger line. Peter goes like you know oh Voldemort he's so strong and scary what would you have done Sirius what would you have done and Sirius goes I would have died I would have died rather than betray my friends and I was like oh my god I can't I can't do it it's so good and then right at the last minute before Sirius and Lupin are going to kill Peter Pettigrew Harry stops them and it's such a fucking. Ooh, it, it like stops your breath. It's such a good moment.
1: Yeah, he basically goes, because Peter's begging for his life, he goes, we won't kill him, we'll bring him to the Dementors.
0: Uh, because Peter says to Harry at one point, he's like, your father would have shown me mercy. So, as they're all leaving, they're, they're filing out of the tunnel, and they're heading back to the castle. Sirius is talking to Harry, and... He offers Harry the opportunity to stay with him. He's like, listen, I'm your godfather. I'm sure you love your aunts and uncles so very much. But if you'd like to stay with me, you can. I think that'd be great. And Harry's like, are you fucking serious? Yeah, like, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, you didn't do the joke, babe. I said, are you fucking serious? And you, you should have been like, yes, I am actually. Yeah. And I would also like to live with you. <laughs> Damn
1: it. I missed it.
0: <laughs> but anyway... We look up into the sky and we notice a full moon is out tonight.
1: And Remus turns into a werewolf.
0: Oh, shit. Now, this
1: is the one CGI thing that it doesn't look good.
0: I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I I think it helps that it's dark so it's not really as visually assaulting.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Sirius is trying to stop him. And this, of course, leads to grew getting away and...
0: Yeah, he changes back into a rat and escapes. Sirius Black comes back as his dog self and he starts scrapping with Lupin and they're fighting and there's a wolf howling in the distance. So Lupin runs off and Harry ends up chasing Sirius.
1: Yes, and Sirius is fucked up.
0: Yeah, he's passed out at the bottom of this hill in the woods and the Dementors show up and they almost perform the Dementor's Kiss, which is essentially... Sucking dementi-
1: yourself!
0: It's very uh, very spooky, very nefarious. Harry tries to do a Patronus, but he kind of fails at it, and he ends up passing out. But before he does, he sees a bigger, grander Patronus in the distance, shaped like a stag, and it blows all the Dementors away, And he kind of sees like a shadow of a male figure behind the Patronus and then Harry passes out. And the second he wakes up in the hospital wing, he exclaims that he saw his father in the woods. So he thinks the the person who did the Patronus and saved his his and Sirius's lives basically was his father. Wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. So this is Amazing Spider-Man 2 now?
0: Essentially. <laughs> I mean, Steve Close did write Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> so,
1: uh, you never know. <laughs> he wakes up. Sirius has been taken away. uh He will be given the kiss of death. Uh, the Demento- Or
0: worse than death, Scott. They suck out, yell, Sow!
1: Uh The Dementor's kiss later on that evening.
0: But Dumbledore shows up in the hospital wing and everyone the The trio was like trying to tell him the truth, and Dumbledore's like, "Listen, I believe you, and I believe Sirius, but the problem is you're thirteen
1: year olds, and he's a prisoner. And he's right? A pri-
0: and like, I can't go over the Ministry's head just because. But then Dumbledore starts like saying a bunch of cryptic shit about time." to Hermione and like giving her a little like a little wink wink like time is a very important thing isn't it Hermione
1: (laughs) only if we had time
0: yeah and Hermione's like oh okay I see what you're saying and he's like okay I'll lock you guys in here three hours should do it bye bye and he leaves and Hermione Harry's very confused and Hermione just whips out this chain with a little uh, hourglass in the chain and she puts it around her neck and Harry's neck fiddles with it a little bit and time just goes whoosh and ron can't go because his leg is a broken but it's just harry and hermione and they go back three hours in time harry is still very confused but they go back in time
1: yeah and this is why Frankie loves this movie.
0: I do. I, I th- The time travel aspect of this movie is one of my favorites. I'm a time travel nerd. Back to the Future is my all-time favorite movie. Pretty much anything with time travel, I, I am a stan. Well, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes time travel is fucked up. But let's put it this way. I will watch anything more fervently if it has time travel in it. I will be down to watch it so hermione explains that this chain that she has is called a time turner mcgonagall had given it to her at the beginning of the school year and she explains that's how she's been getting to all of her many many classes this year she's basically gone to one class taken the class gone back in time gone to the other class whoa this is heavy there's that word again heavy Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? So Hermione's like, okay, obviously something in the last three hours, Dumbledore wants us to change. What could it be? And he had mentioned that they need to retrace their steps. So Hermione's like, okay, what were we doing three hours ago? And Harry's like, oh, we were at Hagrid. So they go down there and they're like, oh, right. We were seeing Hagrid before Buckbeak's execution. And then Hermione remembers that Dumbledore also said,
1: you can save two lives this night.
0: Yes. So they're like, "Okay, Dumbledore thinks we should save Buckbeak. So that is precisely what they do. And then as they're doing so... The The random little things that were happening earlier in the movie that couldn't be explained were because of them, like the rocks flying through the window. That was future them trying to alert them that Dumbledore and Fudge were coming. And um, what's also weird about this is like, as Harry and Hermione are saving Buckbeak, Dumbledore, Fudge, the executioner and Hagrid are all in the cabin, right? But every time, like, they're about to come out or they're about to look over at Buckbeak, you hear Dumbledore saying something to, like, stall. And it's like, does he know what's happening right now? Of course like, he knows. He's But Buckbeak. how would he know? <laughs> because he's goddamn Dumbledore.
1: He always knows. He knew when they were under the invisibility cloak in Hagrid's fucking house. He, he, know, he knows. That's just who he is. He always knows. While you're playing checkers, Dumbledore's playing chess, motherfucker.
0: <laughs> but um, you know, Harry has a moment too, where he's like, he sees Scabbers when Hagrid gives Scabbers back to Ron, and he gets all angry. And Hermione's like, "You can't do anything. Like, it's bad enough we're changing history like we are now. Like, we can't be seen. We can't do anything like that." So it, I, I just love like all those time travelly concepts of. What would happen if you changed history? Can you change history? All that stuff. It's my bread and butter, bitch. I love it. So they save Buckbeak from execution. And it's funny because the the executioner still wields his axe, but he ends up hitting a pumpkin. (laughs) So it's like, oh, he didn't really, before when Buckbeak was executed, he was really just hitting a pumpkin. ah! Which I looked at Frankie, I'm like, why did he need to do that? Because he's frustrated Scott. His victim has gotten away. Even still,
1: like, the pumpkin didn't deserve that. but So now they have to wait a bunch of hours until...
0: They, every, they wait outside the uh, Whomping Willow for everybody to come out.
1: Which, I'm, like, sitting there and I'm looking... Because I wrote this down. I'm like, so we have, like, an hour and a half to wait, hypothetically. We can't concoct a fucking, like, trap to capture scabbers in a fucking hour and a half? Like...
0: There is. Plenty He's a rat. How are they going to catch a rat in the dark? Fucking f- you figure it out. There's- you're fucking wizards. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, there, there's just too much going on, Scott. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, Harry and Hermione end up getting chased through the woods by Lupin, who is now turned into a werewolf.
1: Yes, because they were the wolf sounds.
0: Yes, Hermione was actually the howling sound in the woods. And it was funny because when she did it, she's like, I had to save your life. And then Harry's like, yeah, but now he's coming after us. And she's like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I didn't think that far ahead. Uh, This is a great sequence to show off kind of Alfonso Cuarón's style because he does a lot of handheld shots that are like very like quick paced And obviously, just throughout the movie, the dark kind of washed out color palette. But we get get a pretty exciting sequence where Lupin is chasing them through the woods. And they are ultimately saved by Buckbeak at the nick of time, you know. And then Harry is worried about Sirius, so he runs off to try and help him. And he's waiting in the woods and watching the Dementors swirl around his past self as well as Sirius. And he's like, okay, sooner or later, my dad's going to come, and he's going to save them. And he's waiting and waiting, and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, it clicks.
1: And he shoots his Patronus out, and he blows everybody away, because he knew that he did it once before, so he could do it again.
0: Expecto Patronum! It's a pretty epic moment, got to say.
1: Yeah, but it's just- and it's
0: great because the Patronus, Harry's Patronus is a stag, and James Potter, Harry's father, who was also an animagus, his animal was a stag. So it's like it's that's why it kind of bummed me out that they didn't mention that whole backstory because it's like oh it's like a cute extra little thing, but anyway, it's ultimately a really powerful moment. Anyway, it's just awesome and. The Patronus saves past Harry and Sirius and then Harry and Hermione proceed with Buckbeak to fly up to where Sirius is being held breaking him out and saving him and they have just the sweetest goodbye before Sirius has to take off and be on the run with Buckbeak but it's such a short scene and it it was at this moment that I realized just how little Gary Oldman is actually in this movie. However, Sirius, in that short amount of time, is such a fucking cool character. It's just indicative of A, how good of an actor Gary Oldman is, and B, how epic this whole story has been in this particular movie.
1: Again, Gary Oldman is fucking phenomenal, and uh, at one point he looks at Harry and he goes all that matters is that you know the truth and that's enough for now
0: so Sirius flies away free as a bird literally because he's on a bird horse and Harry and Hermione run back to the hospital wing and they run into Dumbledore just as he's leaving the hospital wing sending past Harry and Hermione off to do their mission
1: and he's like well he's free we did it did what good night
0: <laughs> yeah he just plays down like what, what happened bye <laughs> see you later <laughs> and
1: they walk in as as their past selves disappear
0: and ron goes how, 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 he, how he. <laughs> and harry and hermione are like oh ron you're so silly you can't be in two places at once and then, <laughs> and then it like does a sitcom freeze frame now <laughs> But, um, uh, that
1: does happen later. That,
0: that's later. Uh, <laughs> but we end our movie with Lupin, who has returned to his normal self, and he has decided to resign because his werewolfism has been revealed, and he doesn't want to deal with all the bullshit that entails. So he's like, I'm just going to bow out gracefully at this point. Even though, he's
1: technically, he's been the best fucking defense against the yeah, Dark Arts they teacher. literally say
0: that in the book. They're like, you're literally the best teacher we've had in this fucking class for the past three years. Like, please don't leave. But he leaves, unfortunately. But he does return the Marauder's Map to him. Because he's like, listen, I'm not a teacher anymore, so I'll give this back to you. But you better be good. You better not get into too much mischief. But, like, obviously they're going to get into mischief. <laughs> and then the movie ends... With Harry going into the Great Hall, and all the kids are so excited because Harry has gotten a package from a mysterious source, but it's revealed to be Sirius Black. Well, yeah, because it also... Well, it is a brand new Firebolt broom, which is
1: the fastest broom in existence at this time. Yes. But it also comes with a Hippogriff feather.
0: Ah, interesting. But, uh, yeah, Harry takes out the broomstick and he starts flying away and the movie ends very oddly but thankfully the movie to this point has been so epic that the ending shot does not negate the rest of the movie. (laughs) Harry is flying away, screaming joyfully and the movie ends on a weird freeze frame but like it's like mid... I don't know how to explain it.
1: It's like yeah. he, it's like Harry's flying, so his hair is being blown back, and yeah,
0: he's,
1: and he, it's him on the broom, and it's just like,
0: yeah. Yeah, and it freezes, like, Harry mid-swoosh in the air. It's like, okay, that's it, it, awkward looking. It, it's
1: like the joke is, like... When it's like
0: a bad angle, too. It just looks bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not centered, either. But it's also, like, a moment where, like, you know in those cheesy, like, old TV shows where people will, like, jump into the air in excitement and then yes, freeze? yes. That's exactly that. this.
0: And it's just doesn't fit almost with the rest of the tone of the movie but it's it's fine it's fine I don't care this movie is awesome
1: yeah it is very good and that is Harry Potter and the Prisoner
0: of Azkaban I love this movie for so many reasons the performances are great the story is great the aesthetics of the movie are great the uh camera work Alfonso Cuarón kind of puts his mark on it perfectly because he has not just these kind of close-up more handheld shots for more tense moments like when Harry and Hermione are getting chased in the woods or stuff like that but they also have kind of more somber and elongated shots uh, like the one where Buckbeak is getting executed and the kids are watching on the hill and it's kind of just the somber sad peaceful shot it, it they there are a lot of really cool shots like that and again as we've mentioned multiple times it just seems like this is a step up from the previous two films
1: yes indeed uh, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, and if
0: it's not a, a surprise to anyone, I gave this five out of five stars.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I gave it a four and a half out of five.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: I'm shocked. Okay. Uh, it is. St- it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, adding Gary Oldman and David Foolis to it are great additions to it. Uh, they really help yeah. this movie be as memorable as it is. Without them, I, I feel like if you casted anybody else in this movie, it wouldn't have been as good. I agree uh, also our three young actors have all grown yeah and uh, this is
0: definitely the best they've done so far up to this point they I, I feel like they do progressively get better as the movies go on. I feel like maybe the next one there's some awkwardness, but I think for the most part with every movie they improve.
1: So I am definitely, like, feeling the series right now. I'm enjoying it. Again, I was feeling this series until people fucked up for me, but...
0: Well, we're going to give you a renewed love for the Harry Potter franchise, Scott. Hell, I might even get you to read the books after this is over. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, um... So does this make you excited for the yeah. next one? Yeah, I'm definitely down. I'm ready for the next one. Cool. I am, too. I'm excited.
1: But we got a month.
0: Yeah, we got we got another month. We got an- more stuff to get through. Next week, I will be showing Scott another fantastical movie that is also attached to a franchise, but this particular franchise is a little more murky <laughs> than uh, the Harry Potter franchise. <laughs> Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, just a bit. I know the sequels for the next one uh, are good
0: no but i do love this movie so if you watch this movie that i'm going to show you next week and you never want to watch anything else about it i will be fine with that
1: (laughs) we shall see
0: uh but until then this has been shoot the flick an official paradoja podcast i'm frankie sparks
1: i M. Scott Eisenberg.
0: Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our wacky, spacky, tabacky movie adventure.
1: We're serious.
0: Oh yes. Super serious. In touch with the ground, I'm on